Hello and welcome to Mount Podmore, the political podcast of the Rapid City Journal. I'm Seth Tupper, and our guest this week will be Billy Sutton, a state senator from Burke, South Dakota, who is also running for governor as a Democrat. One, two, three. All right, Senator Sutton, thanks for joining us on Mount Podmore today. Thanks for having me. So we're uh, taping here uh, in our office. You're on a listening tour. Uh, you're in between yep. stops, as I understand it. That's correct. Um, I wanted to ask you, just to start off, when you do these listening tours, do you actually listen, or do you just show up and, and fill up the, the time with talking like every other politician? <laughs> I've tr- been going. Yeah, the, the whole premise of it is to listen. I certainly um, start out by kind of explaining the, the groundwork and, and the rules of, of how we're going to handle it. And then I give a little bit of a bio background, but I really don't talk about um, any issues or try to influence uh, how people are going to react or what what they're going to talk about. I truly do want to hear their concerns, but also I want to hear what South Dakota is doing well. I, you know, I, I want it to be positive, and we should also be looking for ways to improve. And that's that's really what I want to hear from people. So I really do focus on listening, and then I have a an individual that is recording all the questions and writing those down and so, so what's the number one biggest thing that people are bringing up you know i think it really depends where you're at um, but i have heard a lot about corruption and accountability and transparency in government there seems to be a real lack of trust in government and it seems to be because the, people feel like there's a lack of transparency People are frustrated, uh, even if they didn't like, for instance, I am 22, a lot of people are frustrated that the legislature overturned it. And I've heard from a lot of people that said, you know, I didn't vote for that, but it was wrong that the legislature overturned it. So I'd say that's one of the main things that I'm hearing. I think I also hear a lot of concern about um, just how divided we how divided we seem to be, and they want people to work together to find common sense solutions. Okay. Um May, and maybe that's one of the reasons you're running. I wanted to uh, ask you about this, and this question will take a little lead up. But uh, um, obviously, you know, you have some some odds stacked against you. Um, some of the stats, you, the by the next general election, it'll be 44 years since we last elected a Democrat governor in South Dakota. That was in 1977, seven years before you were born. Uh, Democrats have lost the last 10 consecutive gubernatorial elections in the state, and there are currently 85,000 more registered Republicans in South Dakota than registered Democrats. So given all that, when I think about your decision to run, I think you either must be uh, optimistic to the point of irrationality or you see something <laughs> crucially, crucially different about you or about this election that has that is different than the last 10 elections. Yeah, so, I'm, so I'm going to go with the second okay. one on, on <laughs> what, that. <laughs> what, what's different about you or this year? Yeah, I, I think I am a unique candidate in a lot of ways. Um, I'm, I'm a West River uh, cowboy and rancher, but I also have a background in business. I work for a community bank. I think that's unique um, to be in a in a rural community as a with a cowboy background. I, one thing that makes me really unique in South Dakota is that I've proven I can win in a Republican district. There's not a lot of Democrats um, in the past that can say that, and I've done it consistently. Um, my first election in 2010. I was in District 26, which was slightly Republican at that time. I won 57-43 in that race, which was my first election. And that was also an election, if you remember, that Democrats did very, very poorly. Uh, We went from having 15 senators in the Senate that were Democrats to five 
in one cycle. I was the only Democrat to win a race that had a race in the Senate. The other four that I served with were unopposed. Then in 2012, they redistricted, and I gained 1,500 more Republicans into that district, so there were over 20% more uh, than, than registered Democrats. Same guy runs against me. This round, I beat him 60-40. So I beat him worse when there were more Republicans in that district. The last two cycles, I haven't even had an opponent in a Republican district. That is very uncommon. But I think that's the point, though. That shows you that Republicans, independents, Democrats alike uh, believe that I'm doing a good job in peer. And I have had a large focus on uh, being bipartisan and reaching across the aisle on every big issue over the last seven years in South Dakota, whether that's adult corrections reform or juvenile corrections reform or teacher pay or health care or economic development. Mm -hmm. You name it, I've been involved in it so that I could work in a bipartisan way to get common sense solutions done. And I think that makes me a different candidate than what we've seen in the past. Okay. Um, well, you'll, you'll obviously need some uh, uh, Republican votes, independent votes, if you're gonna if you're gonna win in the general election. So, and uh, some of those people are want, gonna want to know some litmus test type type things about you. So, I wanted to ask you a few of those types of questions. Um, one of the big issues now, of course, in the, in the wake of the uh, Las Vegas mass shootings, is uh, uh, would you support any any gun laws to uh, curtail the frequency or the deadliness of uh, of mass shootings? Any state state laws? Yeah, I think we have to make sure that we're focusing on uh, problems that are occurring specific to our state. I don't think we've seen big problems as it relates to uh, gun violence in South Dakota. So I think we always have to be cognizant and monitoring uh, and fixing real problems for our state. And I don't think that that has been an issue in South Dakota but it's certainly something that we need to continue to have the conversation about and find common sense solutions uh, if there are problems. But right now in South Dakota, uh, I don't see it as a big problem. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, we're pretty proud of, of uh, how we handle guns in South Dakota. We are proud of the safety measures that we do take. And we're proud of our ability to, to go hunt and, and live our lives in a way that a lot of other states um, maybe can't. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's it's more about uh, what makes sense for South Dakota, not what has occurred in another state. There were bills last session that nearly became law, uh, but for a governor's veto to um, make it legal to carry concealed weapons without a permit and to um, carry guns in the Capitol in some circumstances in the Capitol building. Yep. Um, would, would you have signed those bills? Yeah, I, I opposed the... The guns in the Capitol bill. Uh, it didn't seem to make much sense, and uh, <laughs> I have a few concerns about some of the folks that might be carrying a gun in the yeah. Capitol. <laughs> um, Legislators? Or, or, or <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to name. I'm not going to name any specific <laughs> names, but um, and then I did support uh, the bill that was going to allow uh, open carry, and uh, you know, I would consider. Uh, signing that if it's brought to my desk but it to me it we have to co constantly look at one piece of legislation at a time you know I, I don't think it's good for anybody to to uh, say that they would or would not support a bill without actually seeing uh, the version that is in front of them what's with open carry what what's the, what do you like about the concept I think we kind of have a 
similar concept to that right now anyway. Uh, the only difference is that right now you have to get a concealed carry permit. And one of the arguments, which is certainly valid from from law enforcement especially, is that uh, there would, you know, in order to get a concealed carry permit, you have to go through um, at least a somewhat of a vetting process to to get that concealed carry. Um, so I, I think that's a valid concern that we should continue to talk about. But uh, I think for the most part in South Dakota, we like the freedom to be able to carry if we want to carry. You can already open carry yeah. in South Dakota anyway. So uh, to me, it probably... It's not concealed carry. Right, right. It's just not too much of a difference to me if you can already open carry. Okay. Um, are you pro-life or pro-choice? I'm pro-life. Yeah, my, I mean, I think you can look at my record and, and see that that's the case. There's certainly been instances uh, where specific legislation maybe didn't make sense uh, that I have voted against. Uh, for instance, there was, uh, I voted for the bill that increased the waiting period before you could get an abortion, but I was planning to oppose the bill that excluded weekends and holidays in that. You know, if we want to have a debate about uh, common sense um, limitations and time frames, that's fine. But to talk about um, instead of a, a number of hours to use like weekends and holidays, I think is is ridiculous. And so I think it comes back to again just one piece of legislation at a time. But it's pretty clear what, based on my record that that uh, um, you know I have pro life stances, but I also have pro life stances all the way across the board, not just um, pro birth. And I think sometimes there's a lot of hypocrisy in that from certain so movements. Are you talking about the capital punishment? Yep. Um, what's your position on that? Yeah, I have uh, I have uh, opposed the, the death penalty. I don't think it uh, – the data shows that it is not a deterrent to crime. And I think we have to figure out and have a conversation about uh, mental health in this country. And we have to have a conversation about – how we truly uh, get people the help they need before they get into a situation where, um, you know, we're talking about the death penalty. Uh, but not only that, but it's even more expensive. It doesn't make fiscal sense to continue to have the death penalty when you look at the numbers and how it affects our economy and the, and, and the cost of, of our prison system. Mm -hmm. um, we've had bills lately to uh, regulate um, the bathroom use of transgender people to, to put something in law regarding that what, what's your position on that would you sign a bill um if, if a bill like that came to your to your desk uh, i was with uh, governor dugard on this one the last time this came up and frankly uh this issue that keeps coming up is a solution in search for a problem it's it does not make sense that we're having these conversations um, and we need to be focused on how we improve the lives of south dakotans not uh talk about what I would say is, is somewhat of a fringe issue that is not a problem right now in South Dakota. We've had no instances of it being a problem, and it frankly is just deterring us from the real conversations that we need to have about how we have better jobs in South Dakota with better wages and how we have a world-class education system and how we make sure that uh, people's health care isn't putting them in the poorhouse. Mm -hmm. And until the legislature... Uh, starts focusing on the real problems we have in South Dakota, uh, 
I'm going to continue trying to move them in that direction. Yeah. Who'd you vote for in the last presidential election? Who did I vote for? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, I voted for Hillary. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it's, I certainly understand both sides of that, that coin because uh, it wasn't an easy uh, decision for a lot of folks. And I think a lot of times uh, the vote was based on whether or not and who you disliked <laughs> less. Yeah. And I would say that uh, the choices, in my opinion, were not always optimal, but that's the system that we're in, and those were the choices that were presented to us. So I think that, uh, you know, to me it doesn't really matter who somebody voted for. Uh, the reality is what we have now, and we got to do the best we can to move forward. So when you, some of the positions you've outlined uh, on some of these litmus test issues, you know, being pro-life, being for open carry, those would be, probably be considered more, um, you know, conservative um, type of positions. So, um, you know, you're definitely more of a, a moderate uh, or conservative Democrat, maybe. Um, do you worry that you'll lose Democratic votes on some of these positions that you are going to have to, you know, have 100% of probably to, to win? Sure, yeah, I mean, I think that's something that you... Well, want to keep an eye on, but uh, so far I've been very successful in in having those conversations with the base and um, keeping the support that I need to win this race. And really, it's because uh, I take a real I take real pride and a real focus in listening to people and trying to understand what's important to them, so that we can even if I disagree with somebody on an issue. We don't have to be disagreeable. And that we, just because I might not agree with you on one issue doesn't mean I can't work with you on three or four other issues. Because the problem with a lot of these issues and the litmus test issues and is more about trying to divide us than bring us together. And that's going to be my focus is, is how we come together around our common values, how we can work together around common policy focuses that we can all agree on, not just focusing on what we disagree on. I think that's why I've been successful um, keeping support from people that might be farther left than me, but also gaining support from people that are on the right, because I don't strictly follow a party line, and I don't think anybody should. So when you look ahead to the election and you think about the climate we're in now with, you know, Donald Trump having won South Dakota by a, by a healthy margin, mm -hmm. but yet with a lot of Republicans seeming to be reluctant supporters of him. I mean, do you see that falling in your advantage? Do you, do you think you're going to get moderate Republicans to come over into, into your camp? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I've already seen that I've gained, uh, just by talking to people and, and the word, word on the street is I'm gaining a lot of moderate Republicans. Um, they're just frustrated in general. They might not even be frustrated with what's going on in D.C., they might be frustrated with what's going on in Pierre. And I hear that quite a bit, that there's a lot of moderate Republicans that are ready for change in Pierre and that, you know, want us to focus on real common-sense solutions. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about something that uh, you were in the news for recently, which was a couple of bills you proposed um, to fight corruption. One was, uh, as I understand it, would it would do a number of things, but it would make um, emails, uh, government employee emails, public record. Um, if I'm understanding that correctly, why, why do you want to do that? Why, why make those public record? Yeah, I think that, I think that 
it seems like there's a lack of trust of government, as I've stated before. And in order to improve that trust, I believe that there needs to be accountability and transparency in government. Otherwise, things just continue to happen behind closed doors, and it seems like there's always a continual focus on hiding and uh, playing shell games. And I, I guess I'm frankly tired of that. I think that South Dakota is tired of that. And I think if you're doing things correctly, you shouldn't have to worry about your emails being public. You shouldn't have to worry about your correspondence being public. To, uh, if you're doing things right, what's the problem? And so it seems like common sense to me that as taxpayers, we should have the right to know what our elected officials are doing and saying and know what our state government folks are doing and saying as well. Mm -hmm. And so that's been one of my frustrations as we have went through, say, the gear up scandal or even the EB-5 is that we ask for public records even as a legislator and you don't get all the answers and you don't get all the information. And to me, that's just not right. So if I could put you on the spot, uh, if I ask you for your uh, emails that, uh, on your official state legislator address, will you give them to me? Sure. You would? Yeah. Okay. Can we do that? Sure. <laughs> I'll follow up with the address <laughs> and see where that goes. Yeah, I mean, I... Uh, I um, and do you use private email for, for official business? <laughs> I really don't. I mean, any time that I get contacted by a constituent, it's almost always on my state email. And so... Uh, I try to respond to to every um, you know contact that somebody reaches out to me uh, that's especially a constituent and I think if you are gonna put anything in email you better be aware that it's probably gonna it could get out you not know? in South Dakota but well <laughs> but I mean even if I even if I you know respond to a constituent yeah. that I better be prepared that that could be public yeah. You know, that could get out into the public. And so I think it's just important that you're always cognizant of that and and making sure you're doing things correctly. Yeah. Um, I'll follow up with you after this. Sounds good, yeah. See if we can arrange that. <laughs> um, to wrap up, uh, you mentioned uh, not wanting to focus on, I think, what you called fringe issues and, and things that, that divide us. So so if you are elected, what's what's the main thing that you're going to focus on? What's the yeah, Well, number one, I'm going to focus on, on cleaning up state government. Um, I think that the people deserve uh, to understand and know what's going on in state government and to have an open and transparent state government. So uh, that's going to be my number one focus to start. But obviously, uh, you know, I, I have a passion for education, but we need to start talking about education and how it relates to workforce development. Um, we have a workforce shortage in South Dakota, and we've got to start having a conversation about how we get people the skills they need to fill uh, the areas that we need. And that begins with education. That begins with technical um, education as well. And a bigger focus on that at the high school level, and then uh, creating opportunities for people to go to college and to attend college in an affordable way. I think college affordability is something that I've heard a lot about. Uh, we used to have the second lowest tuition rates in the region. We now have the second highest. Mm -hmm. There's been a complete shift in uh, state support for tuition over the last 10 years. And that's something that 
it is making it harder for South Dakotans to stay here, and then it makes it harder for them to work here, especially if they're going into an area that might be somewhat low wage in South Dakota. They can't pay their college debts, so they go out of state. We gotta be figuring out ways to keep our kids here and to grow our own and to encourage them to start a business here in South Dakota and be entrepreneurs or work at a business that already is in South Dakota that has good wages. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's our time. So thanks a lot for joining us on the, Very good. Uh, on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm.